Hey everyone, episode 2 of Loki Season 2 is now dropped on Disney+. Plus. It was titled Breaking Brad, and today I'm going to be giving you guys my spoiler review and breakdown of the latest episode. Talking about everything that I liked and liked about the episode, but more specifically, stuff that you may have missed and may tease where the episode and the season will be heading in the future. So when it comes to Loki, this is of course my favorite of the Marvel Disney Plus shows that we've had so far, at least, you know, obviously in the past, like, three or two years or however long they've been going on now so i was super excited for the show to return with a season two and then once it did i highly enjoyed the premiere that we got last week and it had so many great reveals and intrigue and new characters that i can't wait that i can just could not wait to see more of now before we get into the breakdown just to give you my thoughts on this episode i found episode two to be a pretty big step down in almost every single way from the first episode Unfortunately, it felt to me like this episode almost felt like a fluff episode. That's the kind of episode that that's the kind of term I use to describe an episode which feels like it really does not need to be in the season, but it's really only there just to, you know, match the episode count they want to. And when it comes to this, they're just that's exactly what it felt like. Even though again, I still like a lot of these characters, this episode felt like it really had no place in the season in the way it did and also felt very awkwardly put together and what i mean by that is i felt like the directing took a massive step down i really liked the way that episode one was shot and put together and initially i was really concerned with kate heron not coming back to direct season two instead they brought in justin benson and eric moorhead who i my understanding was that they were directing every episode in the season but instead episode two was actually directed by by someone who was previously a production designer on um, on the first season, I believe, and he is now, t- and he had got the job directing, I think, at least one of this season's episodes, or maybe even more, I can't really say for sure, and I don't really know when that will be revealed about who's directing which episode, and honestly, I couldn't really find who, couldn't really find any information about who they have a list out there, but Dan Delu directed this episode, and I'm sure he's great at what he does, but it definitely felt to me like you didn't have someone with as clear of a style and experience as you did in episode one. I thought that was pretty underwhelming considering that episode one felt so much more interestingly put together. And even beyond that, it just felt like there was really something missing here. Like some of the character choices felt a bit odd. But even beyond that, the way that it, it felt like there was a real lack of tension flowing through this episode and kind of just felt like it was kind of teetering along. And because of that, I almost feel like there isn't really much to talk about in this episode. I was almost considering just not talking about this and waiting to episode three that I've heard of some major reveals as well as episode four. But I did want to keep it consistent. I do want to cover every episode of this season, at least that I can. And since I definitely had time to cover this, I thought might as well do it anyways. But this will definitely be a lot shorter. At least I'll try to keep it shorter. And it never does end up being shorter. But because I don't feel like there's quite as much to talk about. And I'm not as enthusiastic about what I saw. And even some of the things that teases for the rest of the season do get me a little worried. So I was a little disappointed by this episode. But let's walk through the episode and discuss some things you may have missed. Now the episode starts off in the sacred timeline in 1977 in London. We have Loki and Mobius on a mission. And basically we find out that they're on the hunt for Sylvie. Now at the end of episode one we had Docs and her crew of Minutemen go into one of the time portals and going to find Sylvie and they had this massive set of goons and they were all and apparently and it was teased that there's just no possible way that they're all for Sylvie and it turns out they're not and we'll talk about that a little later but we arrive at the premiere of Zaniac a film starring 
a character by the name of Brad Wolf, who in this universe is, or in this sacred timeline, is an actor. And he is the same character as Hunter X5, who we saw in episode one, and as well a little bit in season one, who is a TVA agent. And he is played by an actor who I don't think I've seen ever really in any big role. And I thought it was really interesting because this character isn't really, from what I can find, I believe the actor's name is Raphael Kazal or Kazal. And I've never really seen this actor before, and I'll have some thoughts on his performance later. But he, his character, is basically trying to live a new life on the timeline, presumably from where he was taken in the sacred timeline and now in a, as a variant because of something he's created. Now he's back in there in 1977, back to where he was taken from. And he's living this movie star life. And of course, there's a bit of commentary in here about what actors really think of the roles they're in, as well as the celebrity life they live. And then Loki and Mobius have to chase him down. And I really like this one moment where we have Loki, multiple variations of him. And it kind of almost feels like a bit of a recreation of that moment in the 2012 Avengers film where Loki's at a party and he, has, he creates multiple, you know, illusions of himself as there's tons of people and it's a public environment. Again, it's a very lush looking party that he's going to and I love the shot where he has two Lokis with horns like in from the 2012 Avengers film in the background as Loki is trying to restrain Brad Wolf or Hunter X5 whatever you want to call him and it turns out that they're trying to save the TVA as well as find Sylvie now I don't really understand exactly how those two things are connected. And this is the thing that was a big thing, big problem for me in this episode was that I felt like a lot of what we were doing felt more like entertaining moments than stuff that had a real rhyme or reason to be connected to the rest of the show. Like I understood that Sylvie and what she did to He Who Remains created all these branches and that now Docs is hunting her. But there was no indication that Docs had any indication of taking down the TVA and completely destroying it. So I don't really understand what was the major connection between trying to find Sylvie as well as saving the TVA, which I was so confused why Mobius and Hunter B-15 were so in agreement of Loki of going to find her, even though he's obviously doing this for his own reasons of him just feeling betrayed as well as bad. And we have, Lo and obviously, I really like that moment in the with the Loki launch because it kind of teases that maybe there's still a future for an evil version of Loki, but more specifically that he's going to have to use those traits later. And I think the latter is much more likely when it comes to this scenario that we're talking about. We got back to the TVA and OB is fixing the temporal loom to keep the TVA stable, or in his words, prevent a temporal meltdown, which I do think is what was happening in episode one, where we got to see Loki go into the future of the TVA and he's walking through the time variant authority. And then everyone's trying to, everyone's evacuating and he sees Sylvie. And I really do think this is the location where Loki himself will eventually realize, I'm assuming in episodes four or five, or maybe in the finale down the line, because a lot of shows do this where they kind of tease the finale in the pilot or premiere episode, that we are going to eventually reach the point where the TVA has a temporal meltdown and Loki discovers that he has to go prune himself, or Sylvie has to do it, although we kind of do see she's also in that scene, to save himself in the past so that they eventually get to this future moment where the TVA is in big trouble. It's a crazy loop and it's very confusing, but I do think this will absolutely play into the rest of the season. And I do think they won't be able to stop this. Now, this is a scene that comes later. I'm going to discuss it now because it focuses in on the exact same thing. And that is that it reveals that the blast doors to allow the new temporal loom to be placed 
in place of the old one because the witch has been destroyed because of all these new branches that have been created after so we killed he who remains the blast doors won't open and because of that they need he who remains his face scan or maybe renslayers to open the door and i'm assuming where renslayer is going is does have something to do with he who remains his whereabouts as well now moving back to mobius and loki and hunter b15 they interrogate bradwolf to find out where sylvie is and what he knows about what docs is doing and one thing i'll say right off the bat something that i noticed right away is the performance from raphael Pizarro, i really don't know how to pronounce his name and i'm so sorry about that is very off now i really do not like criticizing actors performances because i feel like they have one of the hardest jobs on earth giving a performance as your job and having to do all this and really putting on a different persona is very difficult and making people buy that but i did feel like it felt very off and not only that it definitely again felt like a performance and i understand the character is meant to be an actor but that almost makes it worse that it came off as such a performance and it just felt very out of place for the show it felt like it belonged in a sitcom and i don't really understand how they managed to completely miscast a character who's integral to this episode as much as they did or maybe this is what they were going in i think this kind of ties into the directing of not just being up some i don't know if the director's episode had the chance to cast his own brad wolf and they didn't get you know he didn't really have the other directors the lead directors on this show as you know coordinating them him on that but the performance along with the directing felt very odd and I have a feeling those two things are very much linked and there's a reason why it felt very odd in this episode and we have this really great moment where he calls Loki out of being a loser and saying he was much better as a villain and it kind of hints at Loki's villainous side being useful later even though it's never going to come back to him. And he's very much moved past that. Now, he does the same to Mobius, where he's kind of teasing that he had a sacred life on the sacred timeline. And all I'm wondering is, are we going to get him riding a jet ski? Because following season one, that was probably my biggest disappointment, not getting that emotional satisfaction of getting Mobius riding the jet ski. And I do think it will come in this season, but only time will tell. Now, what they're trying to do here is trying to figure out not only where Sylvia is, but also what the tempad that he had actually does. Because he altered it, and they want to use it, from my understanding, is to find out how Renslayer is also hiding from the TVA. But again, this was something where it felt like the show doesn't do a very good job with this episode at letting you know why characters are doing what they're doing. And that was also the case with the tempad that they were trying to unlock to find out exactly what's different about it from a normal tempad. And the tempads, by the way, on the show are the things they use to travel between different times. And then because Mobius gets triggered by... Um, Brad Wolf or X5 bringing up all these, you know, things about his past. Locus and Moby have Loki and Mobius have a nice pie together. It looks very yummy. But beyond that, this was easily my favorite scene of the episode because I feel like it really teases a great arc for Mobius this season. And I do think by the end of this season, or if there's plans for more seasons, which I don't think there are, so by the end of this show, I do think Mobius will eventually accept returning to the Sacred Timeline. And I think you will see a version of himself on the Sacred Timeline. And he'll, he'll see how just how good his life was being a jet ski instructor or whatever it is. I'm just predicting. I have no idea. And he's going to want to go back to it. And throughout the season, he is going to start to understand why him being taken hostage from the timeline as a variant was a mistake. And I do think that will come back into play. But they do go back and interrogate Wolf. And instead, the tables have kind of turned. Well, where Loki is forced to put on a bit of a performance 
because Mobius has this idea after they have that great conversation about Mobius not being interested in what's on the secret, what's on the sacred timeline, because what if his, he had a better life there, and that would only really annoy him for the rest of time, however that works in the TVA. And Loki becomes an actor to pretend to torture Brad. Now, of course, he is torturing, but he was never going to go as far as completely squishing him and turning him into just mush. That was never going to happen. But obviously, the tables have turned. He's putting on a play as a villain. And then it's revealed that, of course, Mobius had that plan. And they find out that Sylvie is leading a new life in a branch timeline in Oklahoma, like we saw at the end of episode one. And we meet Sylvie in her new life in a branch timeline at McDonald's. Now, one thing I definitely did not like about this episode, and this is a smaller thing, and if, it, if the rest of the episode was great, this wouldn't really be a big problem, but I didn't really like that there was just so much straight-up McDonald's logos and stuff like that around. It clearly was a massive promotional thing. Like, I'm pretty sure they had a few McDonald's in the U.S. where they were just straight-up designed after Loki in terms of the green and having Miss Minutes or whatever. And there was clearly a massive payment to Marvel for doing this and definitely felt like them trying to show as much McDonald's as they could in this episode. And I thought it was really annoying. That being said, it did kind of make me want to eat McDonald's, but that's besides the point. It still definitely pulled me out of the show just a little bit. But it's a much smaller problem compared to the rushed and very underwhelming directing of the rest of this episode, which I'm going to get into right now. And we meet Sylvie in her new life. She doesn't want anything to do with Loki. She's living a happy life. She's not running at last. And Loki brings up the Kang variants that are coming and the potential Kang war or war from the Kangs who are going to be taking on the rest of the multiverse. And it kind of brought up the question for me is, will Loki be involved in Kang Dynasty? Because as much as I love Tom Hiddleston's Loki, him reaching the Earth-1 or Earth-616 Avengers, and what they'll be eventually doing to face off with Kang, almost feels so far-fetched and so far away from each other that I'm actually predicting that Loki won't be involved in that initial fight against the multiversal Kangs where the Avengers lose, kind of like in Infinity War. And there have been rumors about Deadpool and Wolverine and Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man, Drew Garfield's Spider-Man, coming in in Secret Wars and kind of being the backup team for sent by the TVA. I have a feeling Loki will be a bigger part of leading that and creating that team than we expect. Or maybe Loki does make officially meet his end by the end of the season. But I think the, how many times he's died, I think it would be a big mistake not to have this character involved with more future Kang stories in the future because I love Tom Middleton as a character. And I think they've set up so much interesting between him and how scared he is of Kang. He can kind of be kind of for this, like, kind of the Doctor Strange of these movies. Like, that's how Doctor Strange was in Infinity War and Endgame, trying to protect this time stone. That can kind of be what Loki is with the timeline. And I still do think, and I actually think by the end of this season, we might get a few hints towards that war. In the past or in the future, we're going to have the Kangs from different universes fighting each other or get more of that little stadium setting we saw in the post-credits scene of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, setting up that Kang, the Kangs are officially planning to destroy the rest of the multiverse or take control of it with all their variants. Now, Docs and Crude decide to start pruning all these branch timelines, which sets off B-15 and Mobius to be really upset because, they, because they've realized there are lives on those timelines. And I still don't fully buy how quickly some of these characters have switched from being so believing in the TVA because they've kind of already known 
that they were killing people on branch timelines. But once they realized them, they, them themselves were also taken, it's almost a very selfish thing to feel. But I did have a big issue with this sequence because it felt like the stakes should have been a lot higher than they were. But the directing, I felt, didn't really quite capture. And even the action scene felt so fast. And they kind of find the threat of docs and how they're pruning most of the branch timelines and get rid of it so quickly that it almost felt like it didn't matter. And they get rid of that, but then obviously the characters are really upset. Sylvie, even after taking out Docs, and even with only a few timelines left, she's obviously very annoyed with Loki, and she decides to leave once again. But they do find, they do see that the Renslayer's Tempad does have a location. Now, I couldn't make out what the location was, even after zooming in, what exactly was going on. But the assumption here is that she's, of course, searching Hugh Remains. Something I missed last episode was that the voice recording that we heard of Sylvie, I mean, of Renslayer with He Who Remains was what Miss Minutes gave, was the file that Miss Minutes gave Renslayer in the season finale of season one. So she's obviously going after him. We've seen her in kind of carnival settings and He Who Remains, or not He Who Remains, but Victor Timely is who we'll be meeting in season two as he was teased in the post credit scene of Adam and the Wasp Quantumania. And that is who I'm assuming we'll meet next episode and it will probably get that full scene kind of like they did with civil war and ant-man now victor timely is a kang variant who doesn't have any superpowers but he is extremely smart and he and he knows a lot about history but he was also he also existed in the early 20th century but he's also someone who was very much a fortune teller to kind of tell the future and he was a big part in the kind of robotics and engineering industries of the early parts of the 20th 20th century. And I do think, since his name is Victor Timely, I think we will get the Kang, Q-E, and G Kang later this season, and kind of that he was actually on the Sacred Timeline, and he was maybe working with Howard Stark. I do think they're going to bring that into the, the, the story of the MCU, because I think that could be so interesting, and him having be one of the main... I do think Victor Timely will have that as an alias... But I also do think time and time travel is something that Victor Timely in the rest of this is what he's trying to figure out. That's what, what his name, that's how he was teased at the end of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. And I think this character will eventually grow to be he who remains. I do think they're one and the same. And being the same show, I just think it would be more satisfying to build it up as that. Now we get a final scene of Sylvie holding kind of the stone that he who remains had in season one the finale and it lights up which almost tells me that there's someone else new in charge of the timelines who's pruning all this or maybe it's just again it lights up whenever the timelines get pruned and there's only one timeline which is what had happened because docs and her little and her Minutemen have pruned all these branch timelines so obviously it's also teasing that sylvie may eventually become the new hero remains or maybe a new kang has already taken the place of he who remains and that cycle i was hinting at last episode may still be even be in play even if he who remains is dead so we'll definitely learn more about that in the next week's episode and more going forward thank you guys so much for listening as always i didn't love this episode quite as much as episode one there were still tons of stuff to break down tons of teases towards where the rest of the season is going so i'll be back next week with my breakdown of episode three and i'll catch you all next time bye bye